1: It's
2: James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio.
3: And welcome. It is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on 77 WABC. Glad you could be with us this morning. Have that cup of coffee with us, will you? That first cup, second cup, third cup. Yeah, and even more. The number, 800-848-WABC, if you want to be part of today's program, 800-848-WABC. Of course, this is the week that we finally learned, two weeks after the election, that the Republicans did indeed eke out a narrow majority in the House of Representatives. There is hopeful news, at least this is hopeful to me. I don't know whether it will be to you, but hopeful news to me that three Republicans have now, three, so far have said, yet on Kevin McCarthy to be the new House leader, the Speaker of the House, three. And three is enough. Three is enough, maybe, because, it, well, maybe not. I, I speak too soon You know, there are a few Democrats that could always play games and say, oh, they don't want him. Let's vote for him. And you could get Democrats that vote for McCarthy and just say, okay, you're stuck with him, guys. But if this is a movement that grows, if we can get maybe 20, 30, if the Freedom Caucus would just say enough already, no, Kevin. Can I raise my hand? Raise your hand. How how exactly is the Speaker of the House elected? By a majority of the votes in the House of Representatives. So, so Everybody, not just the Democrats. Exactly. They're not just it, the Republicans. Right. That's why I said if, if a few Democrats were to join in with the Republicans, they would give Kevin McCarthy a 218 margin, which would mean he could still be the Speaker of the House, elected with Democrat and Republican votes. But most of the time, the votes are party line. So all the Democrats would normally vote no. All the Republicans would vote something. As you mentioned to me shortly before the show, it didn't take the Senate long. Oh, the Senate just finished their business right away. Not a problem there. Yeah, Mitch said, you know, Rick Scott raised his hand and said, I think I'll offer a challenge. It's like 10 minutes later, it was all over, done. Mitch McConnell's it. And uh, Frank Diaz, in his report at the top of the hour, I think kind of nailed it. Mitch raised a lot of money, some of which he dispensed to people he liked and some of which he withheld for Republicans he didn't like. Paul Krugman today in the Nueva York Times uh, is uh, asking if it's the end game for crypto. No, it's not. So there, yeah, we got that out of the way. Uh, actually, there's a lot going on with this FTZ or TSM or QXR three four six scandal, whatever it is. Um, I, I just read a story that this guy Bankman uh, Bankman Bankman—it's early. He took out like three hundred million for himself when all this stuff was was crashing, so he made sure he got some dough out of it. He's like maybe I'm not going to be a billionaire when this is over but 300 million I think I can pay rent maybe for a month or two you know so we'll see we will see as if if this investigation really is a thorough one which is doubtful and I say it's doubtful because of what it could uncover this could uncover this scandal could be a huge scandal not as big as the covid scandal which will remain uninvestigated but a big scandal. Already there are fights looming. Wall Street Journal this morning, as Republicans take command in the House, fight over 2023, Farm Bill loses. Now, what's the big deal about a Farm Bill? I don't know. Let me just ask the staff. By the way, who's screening? I never cons- Yeah, we're waiting on waiting. It's Mr. Avery,
4: hey. Avery Hello. Watlington.
3: Avery, screening this morning. Hey, Avery. So um, um, I'm going to ask the staff, I love asking the staff civics questions because no one ever knows the answer to this stuff. So let me start with you, Scott. Yes? What's in the farm bill that everybody really always argues about? I don't know, but I think my guess is you're going to draw this back to the problems in Europe and the Dutch farmers. No, I'm no. not. Okay, then I have no idea. What's in the farm bill, Diego? What's in the farm bill that everybody always argues about?
4: I honestly have no idea.
3: No clue. <laughs> okay. The ample simple, and you wouldn't know this because it doesn't. It, it kind of. Hey, Avery, what's in the farm bill that everybody always argues about? Daylight savings. Um, no. Good try. That's right. Okay, here's what's in the farm bill that everyone always argues about, food stamps. Yeah, food stamps. It's like one of the biggest money drivers ever. We're talking billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars a year on food stamps. And this is always the argument. Now, the farm bill has to be reauthorized every five years. And alone, this bill, look at this, the form bill alone is right now projected to be at $1.3 trillion. That is bigger than the entire budget of the federal government was some years ago. $1.3 trillion. Is it a point of contention because the farmers get ripped off? It's, no, it's a point of contention because Republicans always squabble among themselves when they're in charge, and when Democrats are in charge, there well, they was always squabbling from Republicans and a few. So it, it comes up every five years. It's not what it, it's not so much. It's the food stamps usually. But does that
5: does that affect the price farmers get for their food? I guess whatever.
3: Oh well, that's in there too you got all kinds of subsidies and all kind of other things in there yeah but it's a it's a this is going to be interesting to watch the republicans wade through all of this stuff all right we got a new special prosecutor for president former president trump and I, donald trump says look you guys have bitten the apple on this a bunch of times i'm not partaking in this one now i don't know how he plans to not partake does that mean when if they send, you know, him a subpoenas for information, he's just going to ignore them, which might present its own set of legal problems. I don't know what that means, but I love his attitude like screw you. You people have been investigating me for any, and he is blasting this uh this appointee as being a left wing liberal. This guy is, is flying in, he's been over in The Hague participating in in, uh, human human rights trials regarding Kosovo. So he's flying back now so he can help persecute Donald Trump because that's all this has been. This has been a years-long persecution that just doesn't seem to end. Dana Milbank today in the Amazon Prime Washington Post says that as republicans take the house the crazies take the wheel this is the kind of disparaging um 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 stuff that you get in the amazon prime washington post on a daily basis we'll let me get to that story later it's, but donald trump i've never heard of such a thing they found nothing i announced and they appointed special prosecutor they found nothing and now they take some guy who hates Trump. This is a disgrace. And, the only, and it's only happening because I'm leading in every poll in both parties. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, let me tell you what's going to be some of the things that we're going to do on the show today. As you know, Princess Di is going to be here. We are. It's Saturday, so... Part of every Saturday morning now, we call Derek to see whether he's up and we harass Derek Hunter. Not harass. We have political discussions with the columnist, the author, and the brilliant radio host, Derek Hunter, if he's awake. Derek parties sometimes. I mean, he's a family man. He's a good, upstanding guy. But, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, D.C. So we'll, we'll see whether Derek is around this morning. But Princess Di will join us. And during the week, I spoke with Valerie Simpson from Ashford and Simpson. We have an excerpt of that, excerpt of that conversation that we will play for you. And, of course, Crooked Competitors is coming up. Kevin Perez, brilliant report. That will be coming up on the show today. And your telephone calls. And we have a, you know, would love to speak with as many of you as want to speak. So, and we've Diego has a new album. I mean, this guy's turning into a a production horse. I mean, he just he can just pump those albums right out. So, what what's the name of the album, Diego? The album is called Fifty
4: Eight. It's actually my fourth, yeah, my fourth album.
3: And it's called what?
4: Fifty Eight Five Eight. Fifty
3: Eight Five Eight. Why did you name an album Fifty Eight? It's um
4: I guess to understand um I was uh I played uh soccer when I was really little and mm-hmm. um my grandfather uh which the album is uh kind of like a an homage to him he picked out my my number my jersey and uh the only one left was 58 he's like sorry I know you wanted something cooler like like 9 10 or 11 but like the only ha- the only one they had is uh 58 so so 58 is now my number, my, uh, my main number that I oh, use for everything. Oh, that's such
3: a sweet story. I love it. That's a great story, Diego. Great. Well, have something ready to play for us a little bit later on from your upcoming album. Thank you. From the album 58. And this is James Golden, aka Bo Snurley, and we will be back. We're going to start, uh, in on all the day's goodies. Uh, so don't go away. 800-848-WABC. 800 848 Coming back right after this.
2: Entertaining and informative, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snirdley, is on the air, 77 WABC.
3: I haven't talked to Chris Jasper in a long time, from the Isley Brothers. Yo, Chris, I know Chris is probably working on some new music, too. So, you have to give him a call. We debuted Chris Jasper's last song here. Chris is one of the Izzy brothers. He's one of the one of the. ISY, in fact, he wrote so many of their hits. Oh, Derek Hunter's already calling me a jackass or something. What did I say? 800-848-WABC is the number. Um, uh, uh, former Secretary of State uh, Mike Pompano. <laughs> I mean, people are taking swings at Donald Trump. He tweeted out that, or he tweaked him. We're told we get tired of winning, but he says, I'm tired of losing, and so are most Republicans. And Chris Christie decided to jump in the mix with that, too. Chris Christie said it, that he's tired of losing. Hey, Chris, look in the mirror. uh, No, I'm not going to make any weight. That wasn't intended as a weight joke because I need to lose. I I was speaking of the fact that he, uh, anyway, Chris Christie. Okay, good, Chris Christie, a bridge too far. Um, Derek, why are you calling me a jackass early this morning? What did I say? I just called her
6: an Oh, You tell everybody, oh, I would call up and harass him, and whether or not he's sleeping, he's partying. I got a five-year-old and a four-year-old. My partying involves stepping on Legos. The closest, <laughs> I, the closest I get to drugs is Tylenol
3: when I step on Legos. That's it. That's it. Like... <laughs> Oh wow. Hey, so how are the kids doing by the way, Derek?
6: They're doing well. They got a little bit of sniffles right now, but uh hopefully we're approaching the end of it cuz uh, grandpa and a couple of aunts are coming out for Thanksgiving, so we got to get rid of the sniffles.
3: Cool. Are you going to homeschool them or are you going to send them to like one of those elite private schools that cost like thirty five, sixty, seventy, hundred thousand dollars 100,000 a year? Or are you going to send them to public school?
6: Well, we don't have snurdly money, so the elite, the
3: snurdly, private,
6: yeah, huh? <laughs> the elite schools are out. We're homeschooling them so far. We have a neighbor lady who used to be a teacher at a at a a small Catholic school who uh, we pay to come over and teach three days a week, and my wife does two days a week.
3: That's awesome. Are you, so yeah. you see that continuing. Or at some point, are you going to say, okay, they're old enough now, let's let them brave the public school waters?
6: It probably won't be public schools, preferably won't be public schools. But at some point, I I, I don't mind the – I like the concept of homeschooling, but uh, my wife is more in love with it than I am. I, I like – especially the oldest, Quinn, is such a social butterfly when we take her to the park that I think she – desperately wants to be around other kids at some point in the future. We make sure she is now. She's the choir. She's doing all sorts of things. But uh, I think I liked going to public schools. I don't know that I want her to go to public schools, but uh, I want her to be around other kids at some point, probably the next year or two.
3: I mean, if public schools were really safe, I would say, you know, I remember, I mean, it was, I, for the first few years, actually liked school. And then, of course, oh, well. Uh, okay, so now we know that we have a Republican House, Derek Hunter. What do you expect? Uh, I expect what Ivan Drago, no, it was uh, Mr. T
6: predicted in Rocky Three. pain. <laughs> I, uh, I don't, I think that we're actually going to see the economy do not great because it's still dealing with all the garbage that Joe Biden and the Democrats shoveled into it. But it will start to settle down. It will start to do much better because, as you know, the economy likes stability, even bad stability. The business community can make adaptations to it and thrive. That's what makes you know America unique is the entrepreneurial spirit that finds a way no matter what obstacles government puts in its way. And we have that in spades here. So I think that the, spades, the prospect – Is think that some kind of process.
3: racial slur?
6: Yes um as we are uh, looking forward we have you know the prospect of bad things continuing but no new bad things coming along and that can be just you know fine for business be good for business so i think that will, is what we can look forward to i am very much looking forward to some investigations into the biden administration the media has dropped the ball If you look back to the Obama years, the only journalism was done by Citizens United and uh, uh, Judicial Watch. They were the ones who discovered everything that the the Obama administration was doing. That continues here, but now we have a House of Congress that seemingly will look into these things. The power of the subpoena, Democrats have decided that ignoring a congressional subpoena is contempt-worthy and being in contempt of Congress is worthy of jail time. So it should get really interesting if the Biden administration refuses to comply with subpoenas and people in his orbit refuse to comply with subpoenas, we'll put that god-awful, terrible Merrick Garland to the test and whether or not he's as big a hypocrite as he seems. And I heard you earlier talking about Leadership and look, Republican leadership is awful. Republican leadership is always awful. If you could pull somebody out of your butt who could get a majority of Republican votes in the in the Senate, I'd absolutely support them over probably anyway, uh, depending on who it is, over Mitch McConnell, who has all sorts of flaws and faults, except I will forever shovel his sidewalk because he kept Merrick Garland off the Supreme Court.
3: And not only that, if it weren't, and I think you may have heard me praise uh, the turtle for that, but I also <laughs> give him a lot of credit for being instrumental in making sure that we now have a conservative majority on the Supreme Court. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the same argument with Merrick Garland. If it weren't for that, we wouldn't be where we are. And, and I agree with that. That's something that we should always thank uh, the turtle for. But
6: I'd point out that all these people—Kevin McCarthy's awful. Kevin McCarthy—he is, he is. But who else can get 218 Republican votes? You know, is there? If there's somebody else, please bring them forward, because otherwise, you're not going to have a Speaker of the House. You're you know, you,
3: you know who I thought about the other day as someone that already has experience at the job, and I've had my issues with him over the Newt. years. Mute hmm. Look, I would love that. But
6: you know how Washington, D.C., first of all, Newt's probably doing too well and having too much fun and, uh, in the private sector with his movie making and, and his Fox deal. But if you look at the House of Representatives, the thing about the House of Representatives is 435 people who think they should be in the Senate and the Senate is 100 <laughs> people who think they should be president. And the president is one person who thinks they should be God. They're not <laughs> going to
7: look outside of
6: their body when they are used to looking inside the mirror to find the answer to everything. So I'd love that. It would make sense, especially in a divided caucus that can't get their act together. Somebody who's been there before and been effective. But, you know, frankly, if you look back at Newt's tenure, he was really railroaded. He was screwed as speaker. In 1998, yeah, after just a, a couple of years, he just lost a couple of seats. They didn't do as well as they thought he would be in the midterms. And all these people who wrote his coattails in the contract with America into Congress stabbed him in the back and said, you got to go.
3: I'm not sure he wants to repeat that. And a lot of those guys are now gone. A lot of his so-called lieutenants who turned their back on him. Now, I've yeah. had my issues with Mister Gingrich over a few policy matters over the years, but but who was the most effective Speaker of the House the Republicans ever had?
6: Well, it's Newt Gingrich. But in fairness, we haven't had all that many speakers of that. I mean, we went forty years before Newt came along. But nobody. Yeah, but we had Denny Hastert. Nobody Haster. got as much done. Den- Denny Hastert was terrible, and John Boehner spent most of the time crying, and Eddie Munster spent most of his time undermining Donald Trump and trying to please uh, Barack Obama. But yeah, no, I, you're not going to get an argument from me. I'm just saying that, you know, some baseball teams, their home run leader hit 22 home runs. It's like that's great for that team, but in the grand scheme of things, got to keep it in perspective.
3: Yeah. So you you think that it would be impossible to recruit somebody out of the House?
6: I don't think it would be impossible. I think Newt might be down for the challenge. I think it would be impossible to get the House to agree to it. Each member look the House is arrogant, the the, the Senate is arrogant, and they look at anybody who's an outsider, even past members, as an outsider. They think they can handle it. Every generation believes that you know they leave the bathroom smelling like a meadow of flowers. So, I don't think that they would. You could get two hundred and eighteen Republicans to agree.
3: I'm glad that Hakeem Jeffries has stepped up to the plate for the Democrats. Um, Princess Di thinks Clay, Clyburn is going to uh, put his hat in the ring. I think that it's probably going to end up being Hakeem Jeffries. And I'm very glad for that. The guy is a total demagogue. He is. He makes some outlandish statements every now and again. He's a young guy, so he'll be around for a while. And he, I think, will help lead the Democrats into a new era of defeat, mm-hmm. unlike you don't think mm-hmm.
6: so. I don't know. I mean, we've just seen an election where the power of the media really flexed through. Hakeem Jeffries is a radical. but Yeah, he is. Nancy Pelosi was a radical.
3: Hakeem but Jeffries Nancy Pelosi also, Nancy. Nancy Pelosi also knew how to use power.
0: She wasn't she new.
3: She wasn't new to it. Hakeem no. Jeffries is going to have to learn how to use power, and that well, can often gonna stick pre- around. Nancy's yeah. going to
6: stick around. One of the things about Pelosi is she was willing, as evidenced by the Obamacare vote, she was willing to cede that power. She was willing to lose that power for the cause, for the agenda. She knew that in those 63 or whatever members who were voted out after the Obamacare vote knew they were staring into their political open grave, but she knew that every loss would be temporary because that's the nature of politics these days. But the victory would be permanent or near permanent. It'd be almost impossible to repeal. It's not that tough of a lesson to impart to somebody else. All you've really got to do other than that is teach people not to be jackasses in anywhere where there's a
3: microphone and yeah, but, I think you got got
6: to
1: cover oh, well, No, If you
6: caught on a hot mic blaming How do you teach people talking?
3: how to do that, though, Derek? You don't. I mean, and this is one of the things that I human nature takes over. So you have Hakeem Jeffries, if he's going to be the new Democrat guy, or whoever it is, and Pelosi says, I'm sticking around so I can help mentor. First of all, the new person coming in doesn't want her to mentor. It's like, get the hell out of here. Your time's done. Go out to pasture. Go to well, the group. You, Go to the glue farm. You've missed.
6: It would be the plastic recycling factory. But uh, you (laughs) missed the point that leadership, the party that threatened or talked about the threats to democracy and screams this is what democracy looks like, the new leadership and the old leadership working together have decided who the new leaders are going to be. they, They have avoided the prospect of democracy rearing its ugly head. They've avoided a potential for a fight. Clyburn isn't going to challenge. Clyburn just wants some kind of leadership role for ego. He's older than dirt, just like Hoyer and, and Pelosi were. But I've got an idea for you, James. And okay. I think that, especially up in New York where Wall Street is and everything, I just want to piece of the action. I want to get my beak wet on this. Since Nancy Pelosi's leaving incredibly well, I mean, she'll probably re- resign before the August recess next year, she's leaving way richer than she came in. And her husband made some really fortuitously timed stock trades. And Democrats and Republicans up there have this knack, uncanny almost, of buying and selling stocks at the right moment before, say, government involvement in their business is known publicly, that they should create a mutual fund that just mirrors what members of Congress do. Oh, I I love this. But we just make a law that says you can you can all trade individual stocks. You're going to look at their spouses, their kids, and themselves. You can all trade all the individual stocks you want. Use all the insider information you want. All you got to do is give us a three-hour heads-up on every trade that you make. And we can decide, you know, the mutual fund managers can decide whether or not they want to go along with that or how much they want to hedge their bets against a particular stock. But let us get as rich as Democrats do. Harry Reid went to to the Senate with modest means and left with tens of millions of dollars. Nancy Pelosi went rich and is now going to leave with about $300 million. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of return on the investment?
3: You know, you are capable of brilliance every now and again.
6: I'm serious. I was. I want I want my beak wet. But this is a great mutual fund, the Congressional uh, Mutual Fund. Let's do it. Let's because no matter what rules they put in place to tie their own hands, you know they're going to find a way around. They're writing the rules. So let everybody else in on the gravy train.
3: Is this a just? Uh, you're going to write this as a column?
6: I'm thinking about it. Except Town Hall doesn't like parodies, even though it's not really a parody.
3: Well, then submit it somewhere else. I mean, this is brilliant. I mean, no, Derek, seriously, this is absolutely brilliant, and it's not a parody. I think this is—I think this is actually. I mean, yes, it's a parody, but I think this makes a point in a way that no one else has made it. This is some, you know, pretty unique thinking. Right, well, maybe I'll maybe I'll
6: write it for tomorrow. I still haven't started writing for tomorrow yet. And I was thinking of a Pelosi angle, so maybe that'll be it.
3: I I love this idea. This is absolutely brilliant. And it makes the point very, very effectively. Amazing. Wow. That's the nicest thing you've ever said about me. Are you feeling okay? Do you have COVID? No, I have No, I don't. I just... But you are capable of brilliance every now and again. And I didn't even bother you today with your anti-Trump stuff. So... Oh, Lord. I got to yeah.
6: tell you, did, did you watch the speech? Yes. Did you... I watched it... And I thought it was, first of all, Donald Trump has gotten a lot better at reading, at doing a teleprompter speech. When he was president, it, it, it like you're forcing a kid to recite a poem. But he actually, it was, a, it was a well-written speech, and it was a well-delivered speech. And then he started going off the teleprompter, and it turned into a rally, and it went on way too long. It should have probably been about 20 minutes instead of an hour and seven minutes or whatever it was, because even Fox pulled off of it what do you mean even fox well everybody that was covering it sort of pulled away from it after a certain point once you get the gist of it he's got to realize that the audience was on television not in the room the room was filled with people who love donald trump you can play to them after the speech is done you've got them in a room you can play the the audience was supposed to be at home and when you start losing the tv coverage you, you, you lost the point of the rally, I think, or the event. It wasn't a rally. It was an announcement. And he tre- it turned into a rally, and it shouldn't have. It should have been a little more disciplined on message. His message was good. His message was well-delivered. It just went on too long. Don't you think it went on too long?
3: <clears throat> I think it's time for me to go to a break. I knew it. I'm not going to criticize Trump. Why Trump should I? Well, you, you got to you're going to you get an ulcer when
6: holding in all your Trump
3: hate. No, I don't have any Trump hate. Everybody knows mm-hmm. I love Donald Trump, and I love Ron DeSantis. I say it both in the same sentence, just so that there's yeah. no. Because I don't, and I don't, because I don't believe this whole civil war thing is going to no. really. I don't know whether it's going to play out or not. But one thing that
6: I find interesting, though, is President Trump has to do something that I don't know that he can do. I don't know that anybody can do. How do you What's run that? for president? How do you run for president for 14 months before there's even a vote? How do you get anybody interested in something that's? He will. Every
3: rally he does is going to be packed.
6: I understand, but he's got to raise money and report every month now and dips in fundraising at a time when enthusiasm for him isn't what it was is going to be shown or seen as a sign of weakness. It just seemed like he went way too early on this thing. Plus, I would have liked to have seen him wait until after Georgia and uh, point all of his cannons at uh, Warnock in Georgia. Um, I hope he sets up shop down there, and I would love to see that he is willing to campaign for his friend, Herschel Walker, with Ron DeSantis. That would be the biggest middle finger to the left wing, and they wouldn't know what to do with that.
3: And on another brilliant point, we'll leave you, Derek Hunter. Thank you so much for joining us. Got to take a break thank here. You. you. just, Derek, you're on fire this morning.
6: There you go. Light your cigarettes off me.
3: <laughs> James Goldin, case Coming back, WABC Talk Radio 77, 800 848 Back in a moment. Oh no Politics.
2: And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC.
3: Eurythmics bring us them back. Them WABC Talk Radio 77. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. I am Bo Snurdly. I am James Golden. I am your friend. Your confidant. Oh, you know what? Carrie Lake. Kerry uh, Lake is not done yet. She says that she is, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to listen to, we played this during the week. Carrie Lake says she's still in the game. Check this out.
8: Hey, Arizona, Carrie Lake here. I wanted to reach out to you to let you know that I am still in this fight with you. For two years, I've been sounding the alarm about our broken election system here in Arizona. And this past week has confirmed everything we've been saying. When we called for Katie Hobbs to recuse herself over a year ago, they ridiculed us. It turns out we were right. The fox was guarding the hen house, and because of that, voters have been disenfranchised. When we raised concerns, and I filed a lawsuit months ago to get rid of the electronic voting machines, they said we were crazy. Well, it turns out we were right. On election day, nearly half of all polling locations had problems with tabulating machines and printers. Malfunctioning tabulation machines force voters to wait in line for hours to exercise their sacred right to vote. I talked to voters who waited in line for hours. One man told me he went to a location and there was a three-hour line because the tabulators weren't working. He drove 15 miles to another location and the printers weren't working. He drove another 15 miles and was finally able to cast his vote, but he's not sure it counted. Our election officials failed us miserably. What happened to Arizonans on election day is unforgivable. Tens of thousands of Maricopa County voters were disenfranchised. Now I am busy here collecting evidence and data. Rest assured, I have assembled the best and brightest legal team, and we are exploring every avenue to correct the many wrongs that have been done this past week. I'm doing everything in my power to right these wrongs. My resolve to fight for you is higher than ever. This movement started in Arizona and it quickly expanded to all 50 states. It's a movement of mama bears and papa bears and students and Arizonans who love this country, who want secure borders, who want schools that prepare their children for the real opportunities that are out there. It's a movement of Arizonans who want safe streets once again and want the drug crisis to come to an end. It's a movement of Arizonans who want prosperity and the pursuit of happiness That movement is stronger than it ever has been. And I can promise you one thing. This fight to save our republic has just begun. I love you, Arizona, and I love you, America.
3: Yep, Carrie Lake says she's not done. Now, Carrie Lake isn't the only person ever. Anyone that complains about the election process, you know what they say about you. You're an election denier, blah, 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 blah. Well, I thought we should go back in history, and we also played this during the week, and and listen to another election denier using their criteria for calling someone an election denier. And here is a very famous election denier. This was back in 2008.
9: Well, I tell you what, it it helps in Ohio that we got uh, Democrats in charge of the machines. Um, but, but look, I come from Chicago, so, so I want to be honest, it's not as if it's just Republicans who have monkeyed around with elections in the past. Sometimes Democrats have to, you know, whenever people are in power, yeah. they're, you know, they have this yeah. tendency yeah. to try to, yeah. you know, yeah. tilt yeah. things in their direction.
5: Yeah. I just, uh, James, I just, I did a quick Google search and I know we aren't allowed to say certain things on the program. But if you do a Google for the manufacturer of the Arizona voting machines, the Maricopa County Board of Voting will tell you the manufacturer of the voting machines in Arizona. Oh,
3: interesting. If that's something you need to know. You, know. you know, you know, Democrats mess around, too. We monkey with elections too. Election denier. I want to switch gears right now. Because we still have problems at the border. You know, I asked to see whether we could get Todd Benzman on the show. We need to get Todd Bensman on because we need to get back into talking about what's going on at the southern border. So we'll get him one of these days in the near future. But uh Chuck e. Schumer, Chuck U., Chuck U. Schumer had some interesting things to say this week about our population here in America. This is what that uh, sounded like.
9: Now more than ever, we're short of workers, Uh, we have a population that is not reproducing it on its own with the same level that it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers, and all of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers, but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented there are here.
3: Let me unpack this for a moment. What we'll do is we'll play this one more time, but, Diego, we're going to stop at various points in Mr. Schumer's statements. Let us start from the very beginning.
9: Now more than ever, we're short of workers. Uh, we have a population that is not reproducing it on its own.
3: Right there. We're short of workers, ladies and gentlemen. We don't have enough workers in America. That's because you people aren't, uh -uh. you're not doing the grown-up. And so we are not reproducing on our own. How do we reproduce on our own? Why men and women, sorry, I know some of you find this offensive. Men and women get together and do the grown-up, right? And then someone gets pregnant, the woman gets pregnant, and then... Nine months later, or somewhere in that time frame, out pops the little reproduced, right? And that's how we reproduce on our own. Now, who is the party in America that supports, how shall we say, terminating the reproduced? Why, that would be the Democrat Party. In fact... If you look at the number of reproduced that are terminated over the course of the last 50 years, you probably are somewhere in the number about 50 million. 50 million. So we have a worker problem in America, says Chuck U. Schumer, because you people aren't doing the grown-up. Well, even if you are doing the grown-up, you're not allowing the repercussions or the result of the grown-up to take hold. And so we're not reproducing enough on our own. So therefore, we have to do something. Let's continue.
9: With the same level that it used to, The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we
3: welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers. Stop. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is not for more of you people to start reproducing and doing the grown-up and actually letting it go to term, which would, by the way, mean that the big business of Planned Parenthood would have to come to an end. No, we can't do that. The only way we can make it happen in America is with immigrants. We got to get immigrants. Now, who's against that? Republicans aren't against immigrants coming into the country legally. But illegal immigration, is that what he's really saying? The only way is we have to let the flood, this invasion of immigrants at the border... Continue? Huh. Let us continue with old Chucky here.
9: All of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the Dreamers, but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented there are
3: here. There are supposedly over 20 million, not 11 million. And this year alone, we can have over 4 million illegal immigrants coming in. So let's get a path to citizenship. Now, this is the okey-doke. Okay, because this is what Democrats do all the time, and here he goes again. Especially if you are Hispanic, and these issues bother you, and you think that Republicans are the ones standing in the way of the dreamers. Let me reiterate the okey-doke one more time. When Barack Obama, the guy, the election denier that you heard earlier, was in power, the Democrats had... The United States House of Representatives, they had control of the Senate as well, and they had the White House. They could have passed immigration reform, and there would be nothing that Republicans could have done to stop them. Republicans could not. This is how they got Obamacare through. Not one Republican voted for Obamacare. Not one The Democrats shoved it down America's throat anyway, or they shoved it in another orifice, if you prefer, and they said, tough tough noogies, we want this, you're going to take it. It's not going to hurt that much. And they shoved Obamacare down their throat, okay? They could have passed the same legislation, they could have used the same tactics, to just say, okay, we're going to do a pathway to citizenship for illegal immigrants. We're going to do, make sure that the Docker kids are taken care of. But you know what they did? They said, screw you immigrants. Screw you dreamers. Screw all of you. We don't, this is something we just talk about. We don't really care about this. We just have this issue so that we can beat the SHI. You know what? Out of Republicans. Because we don't care whether you people actually ever get a pathway to citizenship. We don't care whether your little dreamers keep dreaming or whether you have nightmares. We don't care. It's all talk. It's all fluffery. It's all political theater. And the dreamers didn't get anything. Right after, the ele- right after they lost power, what did they do? Right after the midterm elections, then they started talking about the dreamers again. Well, now let's go to present day. Joe Biden and the Democrats own everything. They have the House. They have the Senate. They have the White House. In this lame duck session of Congress, they could do right now, today, they could put legislation on the floor of both of those legislative bodies to pass a, a, a pathway to citizenship right now, Tomorrow they could do it. Tomorrow they could pass legislation for the Dreamers and Joe Biden could sign it. They're not going to do it. This is a, and here they go again. So now that we're losing power, let's ramp it up again so that we can beat the Republicans down as being anti-immigrant. This is all political theater. It's all fluffery. It's all B.S. B.S. Memo to Hispanic Americans, they don't care about you. You are just a political pawn to them.
2: Now, here's the soul of excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Nerdling, on 77 WABC.
3: Earth, wind, and fire from the F.A.C.E.S. album, love is a Share Your shine. Love. Live to find, yeah, yeah. One of my friends uh, was a co-writer on this song, Gary Glenn. Let's head to the telephones. Mark and Hackensack, thank you for waiting. You're on WABC. It's our Saturday morning Radio Extravaganza. How are you, Mark?
10: I'm very good. I'm
3: very good,
7: thank you. Question. Pardon me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Question. Uh, What entails with this word dreamers? And then I'd like to
11: comment on that.
3: Okay. Dreamers is a term that I don't know whether he coined the phrase or whether he was just instrumental in using it, that Representative Dick Durbin introduced into the lexicon largely. Dick Durbin called them dreamers. These are people that children that were brought here by their parents illegally. The children were too young. They didn't know what was happening. And they dream of being an American citizen. And ergo, they're dreamers. Well, then I now I'd like to comment on that.
7: I beg to differ because the 50 billion dollars that is sent to Mexico in individual remittances every year and the 15 billion dollars that are sent to Guatemala every year, individual remittances, says otherwise, says that they want to go back to their country, accrue enough money over here, send it there to their financial institutions, gain interest on it and move back. That I know for a fact. That's boots-on-the-ground experience telling you this. That's not, uh, you know, Google and you know, analytics. That's a fact. And those numbers are true. Remittances. Remittances. 50 billion from U.S. individual remittances
11: to Mexico.
3: 15 billion. Yeah, but it doesn't mean the economy. kids here... Hold on, hold on. What you're saying is true about the remittances. That's you know, who wants, I don't know whether the exact number is true. I haven't looked at it in a while, but what you're saying, I believe, is true about the, the remittances. The, the, sure, and people send back money to their families all the while. It's not just to Mexico and Guatemala. Philippines, lots of remittances go back because everybody can't come here. And so people oh, come here, they get a job, they send money back to their families, back over there. Remittances go to Cuba. We start, there are lots of Americans that send remittances all over. Jamaica uh the Caribbean, uh Cuba, everywhere. Africa. People do this. They come here, they take part in the American economy, and they send money back home. Doesn't mean they don't want to stay here. It doesn't mean their kids don't want to stay here. It means that they have family overseas that they're trying to take care of in some way. So I don't know how that whether that means that that it's not true that the kids don't dream. Now here's my problem with the whole dreamer thing. Just because your kids didn't know that they were here illegally doesn't make them any less illegal. You knew when you brought them here that it was illegal. And so we're just supposed to say, okay, the kids didn't know, so all is well. No, your parents knew. The parents knew when they came here that they were bringing in uh, or that they were going to have kids that were here illegally. And that is part of the whole problem. We condone the illegal behavior. I guarantee you that in anywhere else in the world that you go to, the governments of those countries don't make those kind of allowances. You're here. You brought your kids here illegally. Tell you what, you and your illegal kids get out and go back to the country that you came from until you apply to come in the country legally. And that's usually the standard. Not the, not the. Oh, let's call them dreamers and just play on sympathy. No, it's called follow the freaking law. Oh, that sounds so harsh. More of your calls coming up in hour number duo. Hour number one o is in the can. James Golden, aka Snurdy, here with you as our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Remember, Valerie Simpson comes up. Kevin Perez coming up princess die coming up your calls coming up whole lot to do here stay with us and don't go away coming right back
1: it's james
2: golden a.k.a. Snerdley on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio.
3: That is not what's in that bill. Okay, the Defense of Marriage Act does not allow for religious people who believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, because it is part of their religious belief, not to be persecuted for their. Religious beliefs, in spite of the fact that our United States Constitution was in part founded on the principle of religious freedom. It's a sham, like everything else that comes out of this Congress is. It's a total sham. And they can always find ten or so Republicans to join with their crap. You know, it's amazing that you can never find ten Democrats to join in with Republicans. But you can always find ten willing suckers on the Democrat, on the Republican side, 10 rhinos to join in with whatever Democrats want to do. It is absolutely sickening. And it happens time and time and time and time again. And then Kevin, and then by the way, Frank, I love Frank Diaz, but Frank says, okay, the race was called when AP, when if you heard the top of the avenue, the race was called when AP and NBC said that Mike Garcia, the race was called the day before when Newsmax, Newsmax Decision Desk called it a a day earlier. But you know what? These guys, no one in the mainstream press pays attention to that. And the guys at Newsmax were right. They called it before Fox. They called it before Reuters. They called it before AP. They called it before any of them. And they were dead on right. So Chris Ruddy and the crew at Newsmax, well done. Your decision desk had it. You had it early. But of course, well, we don't have to wait for AP. You don't have to wait for the Associated Press. Bunch of liberals over there. You don't have to wait for NBC News to make something official. There are other news outlets who are equally qualified and who have the numbers and who, whose judgment we should start learning how to trust. I posted it on Twitter As soon as I saw Newsmax called it for the house, I said, Whoa. And I kept expecting everybody else to, you know how they usually do. They usually just, Oh, this one called it. Okay, now it's safe for me to tell the truth. But they didn't do it until a day later. Newsmax had the information and they called it early. We have an alternative media in America. And we don't have to rely on liberals because very often the liberals in the news media, as you all well know, have their agenda. Okay, got that off my chest. I still love this idea. I want to know what you think about it. I'm going to ask Princess Di. Princess Di has her own agenda of things she'll talk about with us today. Today's Princess Di dies day where she talks anything she wants to talk about, which I always love because she always brings something great to the table. Religious employees allegedly fired for not getting COVID-19 vaccines sue Massachusetts pharmaceutical company. Religious employees imagine that people actually have religion. Religious employees at a major pharmaceutical company had filed suit in Massachusetts claiming their employer instructed them to be vaccinated against their beliefs. Now one thing should be clear to anyone that reads the United States Constitution. The framers of our Constitution intended this to be a nation where people, did not have to bow down to their government or to anyone else concerning their religious beliefs. Norman Pattis, an attorney who represents the controversial political commentator Alex Jones, well, that disqualifies him, doesn't doesn't it? Filed a lawsuit Thursday representing employees of Takeda. Pharmaceuticals alleging their employer discriminated against their religious beliefs, which are protected under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. They're actually protected by the Bill of Rights. In response to the global pandemic caused by the spread of various strains of COVID-19, the defendant, a pharmaceutical company, elected to create a company-wide policy Requiring vaccination against potential infection, and by the way, that is not what the vaccine does. We have learned that. It doesn't stop you from contracting the disease. How many times was Biden vaccinated? He got the vaccine, then he went on, I got this booster, I got that booster, I got this booster, I got got that booster, and this booster too, and I got that booster, and then he ended up with COVID. So if these, if, if, if these vaccinations stopped the spread of the disease, oh, Biden wouldn't have got it. And neither would so many. I got, I got COVID after I got the vaccine. The vaccine did not live up to its promises. And, in fact, there are more and more investigations now. People are finally starting to investigate the number of, how shall we say, uh, incidents, incidents that are happening worldwide around the vaccine. I read one report. I did not talk about it on the air because I'm trying to verify the information. It is in a foreign country, but they are keeping track of the number of people that have incidents after being vaccinated. And in this country, what was reported, and I don't know this to be 100% true, but what was reported And I'm looking for a second source. But what was reported on the source that I read was that there are more people who are having uh, incidents, many of them fatal incidents, than there are in almost anywhere else. So, Takeda, rarely if ever, finds the religious beliefs of an employee sincere enough to warrant an exemption is what is being alleged. Now imagine that. You have to go beg for your to your employer, hey, I have a religious objection. And now your employer your employer is gonna sit as the judge and jury and decide whether you have sincere religious beliefs or whether you're just faking it. Like they are the arbiters of how deeply you believe in your religion. There is so much wrong with these mandates. And I hope that these lawsuits I hope they continue to grow. I hope in every state of this union there are lawsuits filed, not just against individual companies, but against the governments themselves that put these horrid mandates on people. I find it amazing that the party of so-called choice in these blue cities and blue states especially are the ones that try to enforce these mandates the most. And I'm glad to see this lawsuit. And by the way, if the Republicans are serious about investigations, if they do intend to bring Fauci up and everybody else connected with this COVID scandal, they will be busy for years because there is a lot to unpack with what happened with COVID. I continue and I maintain that COVID is the biggest scandal in human history. We were lied. I'm not saying that we were lied about the disease. And please never mistake me for one of these people that runs around, oh, COVID wasn't real. Hell yeah, COVID was real. But to this day, we don't know how it got into, how did it get out of the Wuhan lab and into everyone else's body that got it? Was it an accidental release? Was it on purpose? I remind you again that following a devastating trade war with China that was impacting their economy, all of a sudden we get this disease coming from China. And the end result was that it helped lift China's economy and helped devastate the economy of the world at the same time. Is that just a mere coincidence? I remind you, these pharmaceutical companies became filthy rich off of these mandates, and we have yet to see the money traced back. Who actually made the money? Who invested in those stocks prior to the legislation being passed that mandated the use of these vaccines? And why were we not told of the potential side effects Why did the press and the Democrat Party lie about which drugs were effective before the vaccine? They told us hydroxychloroquine was not suitable. There was even a phony medical report that came out that said that, that was later disproved. I'm one of those people that can offer anecdotal evidence. I was near death, yes I was, with COVID until my frontline doctor prescribed hydroxychloroquine for me. And within hours after taking hydroxychloroquine, I started to recover. I don't need anybody to tell me whether it works or not. I know it worked because I had it. And I was, I'm telling you, I was at death's door with this thing. There's so much to unpack here. There's so many lies that have been spread by this mainstream media, this corrupt media. Mainstream media. Dr. Fauci, and look, just so you know, there's nobody that loves the NIH more than me. Okay? Let me get personal for a minute here. When I had cancer, I had cancer. I got treated at NIH. I got treated at NIH. And I have never had the kind of medical care and attention Great medical care than it was provided for me by the doctors, the nurses, the staff, and everybody at NIH. Those people, to me, I hold them in such high esteem. I'm not one of these NIH haters. I love the NIH. But Dr. Fauci has still not answered some fundamental questions. Who is getting the royalties? From these, from these medicines, he says he doesn't have to tell us. By law, he doesn't have to tell us whether he or other people are getting royalties. Well, that law is unjust. There should be transparency. He is a government employee, the highest paid government employee. There's no way that this stuff should be kept secret, but it is. It's like anything that, that this is so duplicitous. You can't dig in and really find out how much these Congress people, Derek was talking about this in the first hour. How much they make tons of money when they go to D.C. Everyone's trying to figure out how does this happen. But all you can't find the information; it's blocked. Same deal with NIH. Certain people. Well, no, we don't have to tell you whether whether or not we get money from royalties to pharmaceutical. Why not? What about the sunshine laws? What about transparency? Why do we have to beg government officials to tell us whether or not they're profiting from government policy? There's so much wrong about this COVID business. Maybe we should ask the, the FBI to investigate. How's that? Let's ask the corrupt FBI to investigate the corruption in the government. Oh, FBI, you want to hear something funny? Let's go to uh, cut number 11. I just want you to hear this. Cut number 11. This is Senator Hawley and FBI Director Chris Ray. Listen to this exchange.
12: I think the last time that I got to visit with you was... Back in August, August 4th of this year, you were at the Senate Judiciary Committee. You remember that, I assume. We had to cut that hearing short. We were supposed to do two rounds of questions. You said you had to be somewhere, so we cut it short. Republicans were not able to ask a second round, as we had been informed we would. The press reported shortly thereafter that the reason that the hearing had to be cut short is because you were flying on a Gulfstream jet for a personal vacation in the adirondacks please tell me that's not accurate senator the hearing was cut short, was not cut short from my experience we had agreed beforehand on the time and and uh, and length of it and my i was very surprised to find that the any man on the committee was surprised uh, as to how i uh fly i am required not only uh, permitted but required to fly uh, on uh an FBI plane wherever I go. That's so, long, so you were going on vacation? I was, yes. So you left a statutorily required oversight hearing in order to go on a personal vacation to the Adirondacks? I took a flight to go visit my family, uh, as had been previously arranged in conjunction no, with no, no. the leadership of the committee. The ranking member, Chuck Grassley, asked you during the hearing, he said, I assume you must have other business. You said yes he then said if you have a business trip you've got your own plane can't it wait a while he then said chuck grassley we only just heard half an hour ago that now you have to leave we were going to have a seven minute round followed by a three minute round i've got seven people on my side of the aisle that included me
3: this is classic who are
12: waiting for this additional round is there any reason we can't accommodate them for 21 minutes and you said you had a plane to catch. You had somewhere to go. And now we find out it was for vacation? The, the reference to other business was not a reference to that day. It was a reference to the following week where Senator Grassley and I were going to see each other in Iowa when I had other business in this Iowa. This
3: makes no sense. So
12: wait, you had to leave the hearing early because you had, you're had. you going to see him later in Iowa in a week? No, I had to leave uh, when I said I was going to have to leave as had been previously organized with the leadership <laughs> of the you, you left... An oversight hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee, required by statute, so you could vacation with your family. I find that absolutely unbelievable and frankly indefensible. Now-
3: yeah, well, we found that just—we find it just the way it is in Washington. These guys have no respect for Republicans. Like, screw you! I'm not going to sit here and listen to re- questions. I got to get on my FBI Gulfstream, and those Gulfstreams, by the way, aren't cheapy planes. I I knew someone that used to fly a Gulfstream 4, and that plane cost him, I think, $65 million. They ain't cheap. So, yeah. Yeah, I had to go on my little Gulfstream to go up to the Adirondacks with my family for vacation. Screw you, Republicans. This is the FBI. James Golden, a.k.a. Sterling, here with you on WABC Talk Radio 77, coming back right after this. Entertaining
2: and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC.
3: Journey brings us back on WABC. Talk Radio 77 in New York. Who's crying now? Perry, what a voice. He reminds me of Sam
10: Cooke. Hey,
3: nursing nurse, hope you're feeling better this morning. You must be, I'm getting text messages. Australia having major lower birth rates. Trying to find the article. You know why I don't mandate the Okay. And Lisa has a great idea here. I want to listen to this one. Boy, people just hit me. Schumer wants Docker for $11 Next, drop off Governor DeSantis or Abbott should be to Chuck. for Governor DeSantis and Abbott should start dropping off some of the illegals in Chuck Schumer's neighborhood. That is a great idea. Hey, um, you, you have Valerie. Let's play a little. This is one of my favorite Valerie songs. This is from her second al- album, Valerie Simpson. Of course, of Nick Ashford, Valerie Simpson, the famous songwriting duo.
13: I believed in you,
10: thought what you said was true. It didn't occur to me, it was a Silly, wasn't I? Oh, oh, I was lost in a world and like a foolish girl. I really thought you were my guy.
3: Uh, I talked to Silly Valerie Simpson uh, this week. What a pleasure. This is part of uh, that interview. Quick excerpt from the interview. Who were your favorite artists to work with?
11: Uh, Martin Gay was just the best. Uh, He was so giving uh, to all the women that he sang with. uh, And he made them all better. And uh, he was absolutely my favorite. And absolutely watching him sing in a studio, I would forget that we were the producers because he was—he gave it his all. You know, you you know, his uh, recordings were like a performance. I wish we had had enough sense then to have a camera that we had had him under constant surveillance because he was that good.
3: I saw a YouTube video of him doing a rehearsal, and he was sitting on a couch. He was actually almost laying on the couch when he started, and his voice was so amazing his performance yeah. was so and and i i think i read a biography of him and said he actually changed his style in later years and started <laughs> using a softer voice to sing and he got more out of it than mm. ever before this was an, and he was also a really amazing arranger
0: oh, a lot yeah. of
3: those yeah the yeah. originals, all of those songs. He did that, that song on the uh, Renaissance album with the Miracles, I Love You Secretly, which to me, I'm surprised no one's ever covered that song. It's just a, a beautiful, ri- beautifully written song. So who are some of your favorite songwriters?
11: Well, um, I liked, you know, uh, all of the Motown writers. You know, they all had different gifts, and they gave you different things. So, uh, you know, they were all favorites of mine uh, as well. So I don't know if you're referring to those years um, not
3: just those years for instance i've always been amazed at the success that rod temperton had over the years oh yeah as a song. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. and then there have been several others i mean even going through i, I mean i like everything so to me i listened to antonio carlos obim and and the things that he wrote with uh and actually introducing uh the bossa nova and the samba into the american uh soundtrack and he was an amazing writer. So I I mean, just in general. I have so many favorite I
11: like writers, I course. mean, I you know, I even did some early background work with um uh Hal David and uh Bert Bacrack. Oh, um did? and yeah, uh for Dion and and I love their their songs, uh, the the intricacies of their songs, uh and the way Bert uh orchestrated. So, yeah. uh They were a combination that I loved very
3: much. Let's talk radio for a minute. (laughs) What compelled you guys to do a a radio program?
11: Well, um, Vinnie Brown, who was uh, a friend, came over to the house and suggested it. And uh, he wanted us to do the five to seven slot. And so that was like something intriguing and new. And uh, we just said yes. And uh, we tried out a couple times late, late at night and found that we liked it. And the thing that I liked the most was also that we added in uh, like an in the spotlight kind of thing where we'd have an artist come in and sing live. And I would play and unrehearsed. And that was so much fun. We really had a keep doing that. I mean, we had everybody from Wilson Pickett to James Ingram to Stephanie Mills. I mean, any they would all come up and sing, and so that was fun to do. Uh, And it also it it almost pertained to performing in the sense that you didn't want dead air. You you know, you had to think of something to say. So it, it teaches you a different skill, and so we enjoyed that for to. I think maybe we did it for like three years, but uh, Nick kind of tired of it.
3: You yeah, know? getting up at three o'clock in the morning every it's your oh, this is I think a lot of people don't understand one no, no, of no, the no. things this about was
11: from, no it was five to seven in the evening
3: evening right okay so, okay
11: it wasn't bad. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I thought it was, for some reason, I had in my mind it was morning shows that you did. It was was in the evening.
11: During that period, Isaac Hayes did the morning and we did the evening.
3: Ah, okay. Yes, now the restaurant business. How is that, is it your your daughters that are running the restaurant business? Is that how that goes?
11: Well, yeah. I mean, I have a good manager, but my daughters oversee it. And um, it's more a club. Restaurant, you know, because it's again the platform of of live music plays a very important part in the restaurant, and we have some phenomenal talent that comes through, and I mean I've seen kids go from uh, that stage that small stage to the Broadway stage. Um, when Color Purple was looking for a a, a Shug Avery, uh, he called me. And she did. And we sent a girl who left our little stage and went on to Broadway. So, I mean, anything can happen. People come in and get good gigs, you know. uh, And uh, it's very inspiring to hear what the future looks like. And so I get to hear the new voices and uh, watch them grow. So it's, you know, it's quite an experience.
3: Yeah, that's Valerie Simpson. You can catch the full interview. On our W W (laughs) C website, everything's golden. That's where it should be, or under all the podcasts. Full interview. Um, Yeah, so Ain't No Mom High Enough was their first, when they moved over to Motown. This is one of the things we talked about with Valerie. Their first hit was this, with Motown. When we come back, we're going to be your telephone calls. That's what's on deck. Also, Kevin Perez. Just want to give a thank you to Valerie Simpson. She's so gracious. He explains how they came up with this song, and it is really an inspiring story. Hint, it's not just a love song. James Golden, a.k.a. snurvy with you here on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Coming back right after this.
2: Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Nerdly, is on 77 WABC. aka Bo Snerdly presents Crooked Competitors From teammate to inmate. Uh how'd you like being in jail? Athletes breaking the law. I
10: was lo- I was locked up.
14: The Tennessee Titans have got some new drama brewing as their offensive coordinator Todd Downing was arrested on Friday morning for driving under the influence and for speeding, according to the Tennessee Highway Patrol. The team returned to Nashville after taking care of business in Green Bay on Thursday night, beating the Packers 27-17 to improve to a 7-3 record, leading the AFC South. The Titans released a statement today acknowledging the reports on Downing. Their head coach Mike Vrabel said that he has in fact spoken to ownership, general manager John Robinson, NFL officials, and to Mr. Mr. Downing himself regarding the matter, Downing went through the intake process at 436 this morning and posted a $2,500 bail bond at 646 a.m. Here was what Vrabel said to the media on Zoom earlier today.
9: The league has policies uh, with regards to uh, these incidents, and we'll make sure that the league has all the information uh, that they need.
14: And tragedy striking the campuses and hearts of the University of Virginia after three football players were shot and killed late Sunday night. Junior receiver Lavelle Davis Jr. of Dorchester, South Carolina, junior receiver Devin Chandler of Huntersville, North Carolina, and junior defensive end slash linebacker Deshaun Perry of Miami were shot and killed on a charter bus coming back from a field trip. The suspect was identified as former Virginia running back Christopher Darnell Jones Jr. The 22-year-old was apprehended without incident and is being. behind. Behind bars today. Jones also shot two other victims, one being University of Virginia running back Mike Hollins. He was intubated and listed in critical condition, but he is expected to make a full recovery. University of Virginia police chief Tim Longo said that Jones has been arrested and charged with three counts of second-degree murder and three counts of using a handgun in the commission of a felony. The men's basketball matchup on Monday between Northern Iowa and Virginia was canceled, as were classes and other academic activities scheduled for Tuesday. They have also canceled the football game today. against number 21 Coastal Carolina, and the Washington Commanders will honor the three players with decals of their numbers on helmets when they play the Houston Texans tomorrow. For more on this and sports content alike, you can go to wabcsportsradio.com and follow us on all social media platforms. My time is up, Bo. It's time for you to take over on this Saturday morning extravaganza with your Crooked Competitors Report. I'm Kevin Perez, seventy seven WABC Sports.
2: Soul of Excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77. 77- 7
3: W.A.B.C. Mm-hmm. This is another Valerie Simpson, a Nick Ashford Valerie Simpson song. This was, this is Chaka Khan. It's called Clouds.
13: different
3: now i mentioned the restaurant ashford and simpson's sugar bar the address is 254 west 72nd street in new york you can check the website for the hours if they're there and they do have live performances lo and behold diego you have played there before yeah, I did an open mic
4: there um, uh, last year, I think, like last November.
3: Yeah, nice place, huh? Yeah, I liked it. Cool. Maybe you ought to do another open mic and let us know when you're going to be there so uh, we can have some people come up and see you. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do that. All right, so you have a new album, 58. Let's hear something from it, Diego. And then we're coming to phones. Mm hmm, from the album, uh, 58. Very inspiring, I must say, and touching a story on how we get to 58 what's this selection like?
4: this is warm summer track number 6
10: Warm summer tea. Dream here, right. Warm summer, please set me free Your worries will never bother me You're doing the vocals? Yep, that's me Warm summer, you're quite a yeah, sick. No, I love this Warm Thank summer, you. hope you agree My presence I'll always guarantee Can't you see People don't care
3: for me I'm young I'm alive. If no one else finds Then I'll be the one to find Oh, Diego, this is awesome,
4: man! Thank you, thank you so much.
3: This is our Diego, ladies and gentlemen, on his new album, 58.
10: Warm summer Stand warm summer, I'm still the same. Years later, I still feel so ashamed. Warm summer, you just
4: go by Diego. I go by Diego Goitia, A-G-O-Y-T-I-A. It's my last
10: name. I don't even think you know my name.
4: Can we find this on the uh. On the iTunes? On the iTunes, on the Spotify, on the, uh, on the Amazon, on the everything.
3: Diego, this is great song,
4: man. Thank you so much. And uh, actually, you would like this. Guess who's on saxophone right now? Who? John Halliwell of Supertramp. I got a hold of him. Nice. He charged me so much for this track, but uh, I got him, yeah.
10: <laughs>
3: That's a Warm Summer. That is our own Diego. Doing the vocals, you wrote the song, I'm assuming? Yes, I did. Thank you, Diego.
4: Thank you. So the Thank album you.
3: is 58, Diego, and you can find it Amazon, Spotify, you said iTunes, anywhere. Lovely, from the album 58, that's Diego. Okay, I just, uh, let's see, time to do some telephone calls. So, <clears throat> I'm waiting just to see... Where do you suggest we go? Let us start with Walter in Long Island. Walter, thank you for being so patient. You're on the Saturday morning radio extravaganza.
7: Good morning, Bo. How are you?
3: I'm very good.
7: Okay. I just want to say thank you for your honesty on the station. I love it. And carrying a baton for uh, 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 um, uh, Rush and... uh, really gets me, and uh, I love your program. Okay, I I just want to touch base on uh, Donald Trump running for president again. The larger picture here is I just feel that his party is starting to railroad him in a way because they don't want a divisive government, and everybody wants to just make nice now after all the damage that was done with a weaponized – well, many uh, agencies here, and um, if they succeed in railroading him, it's just another bad day because of the dishonesty that went on. It's not revenge that people are seeking. It's the truth, because I'm starting to hear revenge thrown into the mix everywhere.
3: Yeah, that was one of the mainstream... I forget which one. There's so many anti-Trump haters in the mainstream press. One of them had a column that the only reason Donald Trump wants to run again is because of his ego and because he wants vengeance on those people. Look, these people deny what's right in front of their face. Under Donald Trump, this country did so much to turn back the hands of clocks on things that had gone wrong, starting with the borders. Donald Trump was the first one that really took it seriously, and we saw the result. The economy turned around. Donald Trump brought jobs back from overseas, something that uh, Obama – remember Obama? I will never forget this. I will, I will never forget Rush imitating Obama. Um, so this is me imitating Rush imitating Obama. Uh, what are you going to do? Wave a magic wand? What are you going to do? Wave a magic wand and bring back jobs? And that's exactly what Donald Trump did. He brought back the jobs. And he didn't have to wave a magic wand. He just implemented sound uh, policy. And we had, whether people remember it now or not, we had a resurgence in manufacturing in this country that we hadn't seen in ages. He met with corporate leaders and actually lobbied to bring back jobs to this country. Our economy was growing leaps and bounds. This is the thing that they all can't stand. We took on China in a trade war, and we won The trade war. Of course, right after that, we had COVID. Mm. Interesting, the timing on that, eh? Donald Trump did so much. And so when he says he wants to do a second term, this is not about vengeance. This is about making sure he can finish the job that he started for the American people. And that's what the left will never get. Walter, you get the last word on this. Okay. And, um, you know, if you look at
7: all the things in the media that they took the ball and ran with, they had no effect on anything in our government, the way our government was run. So all the small things that they they used against him for weeks should have been a simple statement he made and gone in a day. But their dishonesty just kept on him every single day. And I also do feel um, all of the Trump supporters know that he deserves to be there again, and it has nothing to do with vengeance, and his supporters are going to start to bail out, I do believe, on the Republican Party if they feel they're railroading him. Making nice now doesn't work in the Republican Party when McConnell and McCarthy let a lot of things slide by and these leaders did nothing about it. Sweeping everything under the rug for all these years are not going to work. So I do believe that The Republican Party is going to be in a spot where, you know, Dan Bongino made a statement. He said maybe it's not bad enough yet, you know, commenting on the turnout of the midterm elections. Well, look, we did pretty well. The House is very important there, the the Congress. And um, but I do believe people are going to back out. And they are not going to support the party if the people feel that they're railroading him. To make your deals and sweep everything under the rug and play nice is not going to work.
3: Walter, thank you so much for the call. We so appreciate it. We've got to take a quick break. Coming back, more of your calls straight ahead here on the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. James Golden, Boston, early with you. Your call is welcome, 800-848-9222. Coming right back.
2: Oh Knows Politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC.
3: Rod Stewart brings us back on WABC. Yeah, this is one of the bumpers that reoccurs on this song. Uh, it reoccurs on this show because I love Maggie Mae. I love this song so much. I mean, I like so much of Rod Stewart stuff, but this is my favorite Rod Stewart song. Hey, Lisa, let's see whether we can get Rod Stewart on one day. He's still out singing, I know that. And he's in, I think he lives in Florida now. Let's head back to the telephones. Let's go to John in Staten Island. Hi, John. Welcome. You're on WABC Talk Radio 77 with James Colden. What's up? Hi, Bo. Yes.
15: I was gonna, I wanna talk quick about the Bitcoin. What are you doing but, over there? Wait,
3: wait, wait. What's that noise on the phone line? What are you doing over there? It sounds like you.
15: I'm walking I'm walking home from my truck. I just had a delivery earlier. Oh, cool. Okay. So, yeah. what's going on? I usually do Carnegie and Lincoln Center. There's a few places and venues we deliver stuff. Nice. But, uh, go ahead. Yeah, really quick. I was gonna say, I just wanna go back to the topic where you talked about. Um, you know, 50 million kids were aborted. Of course, Schumer is saying there's not enough people. Well, he passed the law with that. But the thing is this you got to remember, over 50 years, 25 years, some of those kids would have had four or five babies. So we're not talking about 50 million. We're talking about more than 100 million people in, in, in generations that were not, were not born. So there's way more than that.
13: Right. uh, uh
15: yeah, and then the other point I wanted to say, with the uh, the that abortion and student loans was partially a reason why you know the uh, Democrats got the Senate and not the House. And with the the student loans, I want to know one thing: Why does the government have to charge 8 or 9 percent to students to pay back on um, what you would call it their education? Why is, why don't they just pass it with zero interest, and just uh, pay back the loan without the zero interest. Why does the government have to be a hack, a shyster, to get the money off of these kids? Because the government took uh, total control of the student loans in 2008 with Obama and Biden in office.
3: So yeah, I think well, that was is, a pull. This is a good question. John, thank you so much for the call. You raised some great, number one, that's a great point on the on the abortion issue. Talking about it wasn't just the number of people aborted, but the future generations that would have procreated from them. So great point. And student loans, again, another good point. If they really wanted to just get the loan money back and just break even, they could do that too. If they chose to. Ralph in New Jersey, welcome to you on WABC, Talk Radio 77. Uh,
1: Let me get right to my point, Bo, with the changing political dynamics going on in our country right now, and you know, Nancy Pelosi coming to terms with that, finally bow out or step uh, out of the way. Now, the question becomes, why is Mitchell McKinnon still around, Bo? Because that, I can make the case about about Mitchell McKinnon. He is not producing the desired outcome in his last midterm election. I mean, we had formidable uh, candidates in Pennsylvania, in Nevada, as well as in, in Arizona. That's, you know, uh, case number one I can make about him. Mitch case McConnell, did. Wait, wait, wait. You, ask
3: it, you ask the question, let me answer it. Because Mitch McConnell has the votes of most of the senators. That's why he's still around. Most of the senators that are on the Republican side in the Senate are not conservative. We had 10 senators stand up and say, maybe, Mitch, it's time to go. Which means we had 39 or 38 that stay that said, "No, Mitch, we love you," because Mitch hands out the money. He's this guy raises tens of millions of dollars and he hands it over to some of them, to the ones that he likes. And yeah, he doesn't like the conservatives, the true conservatives. That's why he didn't put money in Master's campaign. In fact, he took money. He they had. This is kind of duplicitous when you think about it. There were buys made on behalf of these conservative candidates. And then in the height of the election, they say, oh, we're going to take the money away. So they set you up, and then they take the money away as you're closing in on the final weeks of the election. That is duplicitous. And Mitch McConnell knows how to play games. That's why. Now, look, I have not been one of these Mitch has got to go people. I've always reminded people what Derek said during the first hour, right, about Mitch McConnell and Merrick Garland. Yep, yep, yep. But you know what? I think Republican voters are just getting sick of this because cycle after cycle, they see what Mitch and the boys do, and let's make no mistake about it, it's Mitch and the boys, and they see what Mitch and the boys do, to the candidates that they don't like, and they don't like candidates that support Trump. That's really clear, and it's really obvious. Now, go ahead and finish, Ralph. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. The,
1: the, the second case that I want to raise with regard to Richard uh, McConnell, and this is alarming to me. This is of concern, to. It's the fact that he, he, he is deeply influenced by China. I mean, Ilin Chao is a Chinese national, for goodness sake. Why don't people
3: understand that? You're talking about his wife. His wife is an American. She's an American citizen. She's an American citizen. And we have plenty of people here. I, I don't like that line of attack. She's Chinese. Well, hell, this is America. We have a lot of people here from other nationalities, from other countries. And they're American citizens. And to me, once you're an American citizen... End of story. Unless you do something, do something that is against this country. Otherwise, you are an American. I just don't like that line of attack. Not at all. Anyway, thank you for the call, though, Ralph. Love you, bro. Ralph in New Rochelle, you're up next from Ralph to Ralph. How you doing, Ralph?
16: Good morning, Mr. Golden. Always a pleasure to speak with you and you answered my question while I was on hold waiting to speak to you. I wondered why Donald Trump is constantly under investigation, constantly, I believe, being persecuted, and you mentioned all these shady deals and all the money these politicians are making on both sides of the aisle, and he will expose these people for the hypocrites they are, while the hard-working, common, tax-paying reap pay for all of these perks these people are getting i don't understand why people don't realize that they're taking advantage of us
3: you know donald trump if you there was a chappelle thing that i saw um uh and i don't know when it was recorded and chappelle was explaining donald trump to people and he said here's a guy that came out and said i know the system is rigged because I have taken part in in using the benefits of the rig system. And Chappelle was like, this is the first time somebody in that kind of palace came from behind the curtain and said, hey, you're right. About everything that you've said about this government is true. And here's a guy that came out and said it's true based on the fact that he's taken advantage of it. And then he goes right back in. and And that is so true. Donald Trump has exposed so much about the inner workings of the swamp and the rigged system. And he said too, you know what? Yeah, I applaud people that don't have to pay as much in taxes, that know how to use the tax system. You're supposed to know how to do it. Anyway, those are the kind of things that I think go right to your point here. One of the reasons they're going after Trump is because Trump has exposed just how corrupt their system is. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, our number duo in the can, our number trio coming up. Princess Die comes up in the next hour. You have telephone calls. If you're on hold, stay on hold. We're going to get you calls. Oh, yes. And, of course, more music and more fun. You. James Golden, Bo Snurley. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza coming right back after this.
2: Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio.
3: Welcome to our number trio of our Saturday morning radio establishment. James Coulton, will snerdly here with you, reminding you of a few things. Get the WABC app. Check out the WABC website. You can get all the podcasts on WABC website from every show, from everybody here, and that's uh, that's a good thing. Also, you know, I do a daily news blast uh, twice a day. It's called the the Daily BS, and if you go to jamesgolden.com or com, you can sign up for the Daily BS, and twice a day, get news delivered right to your inbox, and I'm telling you, the selection of stories is amazing, powered by American Wire News. So uh, there's that. And now there's this, uh, Paul Krugman, who's very rarely right about anything in the New York Times, is this the end game for crypto? No, it's not. Now, I happen to do a podcast every week with one of the smartest guys in crypto, in blockchain. This guy runs a fund for wealthy individuals who are in that space and institutions uh, his name is James Eisenberg. The name of the fund he runs is Inner Block Capital. We had we devoted this week's episode on our podcast this week, and last week we talked about it as well about this scandal that has consumed the news media. And there is so much to this scandal, by the way. There is so much to the billions of dollars. That evaporated from FTX and exchange. And one of the things that Mr. Eisenberg points out is that FTX was not a blockchain exchange, nor was it in the truest sense of the word, a crypto company. It was based like a regular bank, a regular financial bank with no, only no oversight and no regulations, which is why they were able to get away with some of the things that they got away with. The full podcast you can find on WABC. If you just go to WABC, those of you interested in crypto and blockchain, this is really well worth listening to. And it is amazing. Oh, wait a minute. Derek sent me something here. Uh Uh-huh. Use, yep, yep, yep. Nancy Pelosi's legacy to make us all rich. Wow. I'll have to read the rest of that during the break. Anyway, so Mr. Krugman is asking, is this the end game for crypto? No, it is not. We're just at the beginning stages of crypto. And I understand that there are a lot of people, investors and so forth, who put money in, who lose money with some of these scams. But a lot of that has to do with diligence and really understanding what crypto is and is not. And believe me, I'm still learning. I am not speaking as from a position of an expert. But I'm glad I get to speak with an expert. So I am not afraid of this new world of crypto. It is changing the world. It's not just, look, It it is not just an economic thing. It also deals with new software, with new ways of doing things. It is tied into an emerging economy that's not just based on these cryptocurrencies, but on blockchain technology. And that is a whole different animal. So I'm going to encourage you to go listen to the podcast, The Future Is Now, the future is now James Eisenberg. You can find it at wabcradio.com. And all the other podcasts that are taking place on WABC, Red Apple Media Podcast, There is there are a ton of great podcasts. This, this radio station is doing something amazing, folks. It's not just the programming that you get here. It is the plethora of podcasts that are available on almost every subject matter that you can think of. And people are doing more. Oh, by the way, Diego, I meant to tell you, Curtis Lewa, you know, <sighs> Curtis, I love Curtis
4: Lewa. I was wondering when you were going to bring this up. Curtis
3: Lewa, Curtis Lewa thinks he knows something about music. Curtis loves Sly and the Family Stone. So do I. I don't know how he gets this thing all of a sudden. I'm opposed to Sly. I love Sly in the Family Stone. In fact, I remember uh, being in school, in um, uh, elementary school, and actually recite, no, uh, a junior high school, and actually reciting a Sly in the Family Stone song, lyrics by Sylvester Stewart, Sly Stone. And I, I did that as an essay and then expounded off of it. I've always been into music. I love Sly and Femmes, but this is Curtis's, like, number one thing. Well, he likes Earth, Wind, and Fire. I love Earth, Wind, and Fire. I love Sly, too. I saw a concert, though, at Madison Square Garden that blew my mind, and it was cold-blooded, the promoter. They put on Sly after Earth, Wind, and Fire. Now, who would do that? Because when Earth, Wind, and Fire got through, people just were like, okay, I'm done, I'm out, I'm gone. They didn't even wait to see Sly. They were like, this was a great show, I'm tired, I'm going home did. Y'all wore me out. I mean, I stayed because I was a Sly fan, but I mean, half the audience left. I thought that was ruthless. Why would you put on anybody after Earth, Wind & Fire? But anyway, that said, Curtis is now challenging me. Curtis, you poor soul. I love you, Curtis, but you have to be out of your mind. Curtis is challenging me to do – we're going to do competing playlists. Both of us are going – we're going to figure out the mechanism to do this. We are going to issue a playlist, a piece each week, and see who you, the audience, prefers whose playlist more. You don't stand a chance, Curtis, unless you rig the number somehow. I mean, unless you – What are you going to do, hire the Maricopa County guys to do the counting here? That's the only way you're going to win, if you ever win. Curtis. I mean, I love Curtis. Look, stick to keeping people safe on the streets, Curtis. You're an expert at that. Leave the music stuff to the big boys, Curtis. (laughs) Just kidding.
13: Oh,
3: So it'll happen soon. We're trying to figure out the mechanisms how to do this stuff. The Curtis playlist versus the snurly playlist once a week. And we'll see, we'll see who likes what. And then Curtis and I are supposed to be also working on something. Uh, you know, Curtis does an adoption program, which I admire very, very much for rescue cats. And it's something that I'm interested in too. So we're supposed to be trying to work on something to benefit um, um, animal rescue for cats. So we've got a lot. Curtis and I need to sit down and get all this stuff straightened out so we can just do it instead of talking about it. Uh, Let us see. What else? Yeah. Yes, yes, Nancy Pelosi is historic. You can't read or you can't hear or read a story about her without hearing how historic the first female Speaker of the House was, yawn. I love this. Derek Hunter is actually writing a piece. Use Nancy Pelosi's legacy to make us all rich. I love it, Derek. This is awesome. He's writing his column. I think he did his column on it. Yes, indeed. Use Nancy Pelosi's legacy to make us all rich. Derek Hunter, this is brilliant. I'm going to look at Time Hall and see whether it's published later today, tomorrow. More of your calls coming up. We're going to break early because I want to get Princess Die in here, and then we want to leave time for plenty of calls this hour. So that's what we're going to do. Princess Die will come back when we come back, and then after Princess Die, your calls at 800-848-WABC, 800 848 Don't go away. Coming back really soon.
2: It's time for Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Die.
3: The majestic music brings us to the majestic personality, the intellect, the wisdom, the wit, the wonderfulness of Her Majesty, Our Majesty.
10: Oh, stop. <laughs>
3: oh, yeah, I like to suck up.
10: Oh, my goodness. To royalty.
13: game.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping that one of these days, you know, I've been watching Game of Thrones. I finally decided to throw in the towel. And, and it's like this thing goes on and on and on forever. But the Game of Thrones thing, I find, is instructive in a way of American politics. A bunch of duplicitous bastards that just want power for themselves. That fight, that kill each other, that, that it's like nowhere in this is there any real regard except for one of them, for the people. The rest of it's just about their own power and their own whatever. It's really, um, and I'm looking at that and I'm drawing contrast to Game of Thrones and to what's going on in Washington DC. It's almost the same kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I've been like, yeah, I, you know, all these, I tried to watch Game of Thrones years ago. And then they had one part in there that just to me was like the, uh, what do they call that? The, the moment when they the, the jumped the shark. And I was like, I'm not watching this. You know, <laughs> but then uh, this time around, for some reason, I said, okay, even though some of this stuff, I, I can't suspend disbelief enough to really buy into all of it. But this time, the, it, it's like, whatever. So I, I think about Washington, C.C. and then, we get this story today. I know you're going to talk about something that you want to talk about, but I just want to mention this to you first, Princess died. You have these three House Republicans. We're not going to vote for McCarthy. Do you think there's any chance that McCarthy won't be the Speaker of the House?
17: No, especially if the Democrats know that the base doesn't want McCarthy. I mean, they, you know, they will get as many Democrats as they need. Absolutely, it's going to be McCarthy. They're, you know, they want us to stick with the fa- McPhail McLeadership, and if we don't on our own, they're going to make us.
3: <laughs> that's what I said. To I was. Uh, that's what I was saying earlier. Even if we get ten Republicans, the Democrats will line up twelve Democrats to vote for him to make sure that we get stuck with this guy.
17: Yep, exactly. So we have to work around it anyway. We have to play on the battlefield as it is, not as we wish it would be. And I wanted to say a couple of things. I'm going to comment on things that you brought up just quickly. Uh, one of the, one of the, the questions I have on, you know, every time you talk about Hakeem Jeffries, I am waiting for you to make the connection with his Close and beloved uncle. And I'm wondering why you haven't yet.
3: Because I was waiting for you to do it.
18: (laughs) Okay.
17: You remember the fun that we have had with Dr. Leonard Jeffries, who is close to Hakeem, who says he's close to Hakeem. And you remember from the 90s when he had a theory about the sun people and and
3: the ice people. people. (laughs)
17: Yeah. Well, I'm just one. He had a lot of other wacky theories, but there was such enjoyment, uh, you know, at his expense, so-called. And I'm just wondering why we can't put that on the table again so that Jeffries himself, if he becomes the leader in the House for the Democrats, is asked about it at some point. I mean, we we need to do this and go back and get those old quotes and talk about the theories that are, you know, as as far out and wacko as Alex Jones, and even worse. So I'm I'm just waiting for you to have fun with it, if that's
11: something that you. Well, think see,
3: is- the real reason I didn't bring it up because I didn't even make the connection myself. I didn't know that that, that Hakim was the nephew. Of Leonard Jeffries, said, I known that I'd have been all over the sun, people with this okay. one. Okay. I mean, look. Well, I'm handing
10: you this little data point. Thank you.
3: Because,
17: you know, this is something that needs to be, you know, not exploited necessarily, but we need things in on our side that we can have fun with because the joy of the battle is very important as long as we remember where our trust is the living god. So the other thing I wanted to mention was you talked about this uh, Jack Jack Smith I call him Jacked up Smith the new special counsel and one of the uh, important things to remember about his history is he was the chief of the public integrity section of the Department of Justice under Obama in which he played a key role in the lowest learner Uh, targeting and attacking of conservatives in the IRS. This guy is an anti-conservative activist, and that's all you need to know about him, is he was intrinsically involved at targeting conservatives using the levers of power in the federal government, mainly the IRS.
3: Wow. Wow. Well, let me ask you a question about this guy. Trump is already out. Uh, Donald Trump is already saying that this guy's a liberal whacknoid, et cetera, et cetera. How do you see this playing out? Do you think he's going to get any traction at all by by portraying this this prosecutor, that they're Mister Mister World Prosecutor, as a liberal, or do you think this is just not going to fly?
17: going to fly, but not with the people who are in the media and the influencers and the people we will hear from. Do you remember how effective the Clintons were at demonizing... And yeah. star, Absolutely. He was, you know, he became a, a sex pervert, a sex maniac. And you remember the um, one that Rush had fun with talking about, you know, that he's an alien. He's an alien. From Mars. <laughs> yeah. An alien.
3: That, and he, he did that with,
17: to, you know. Yeah, he James Carville's voice. smoke cigarettes and all of that. So they really were effective, at, you know, at attacking the cops, so to speak. And they did a good job at discrediting him um, in the eyes of many Americans. And if you remember that uh, Clinton won re-election handily in 96 because of their uh, strategy. So I think it can work with the people who hear about it, but the media has a very effective blanket over inconvenient
3: data. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, if Now, one of the things that Donald Trump did say, I want to ask you about this, too. He said, look, I'm not going to partake in this. I don't know what that means, Diana. I mean, what? If they subpoena me, I'm not going to turn over information? Well, if he does that, he's just getting himself into more hot water because then that's another round of, 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 of litigation. Um, I'm not going to partake. I, what is your best guess as to what, how that plays out?
17: Well, you know, we're in uncharted territory. I, I can see from his point of view, he's cooperated, you know, left, right, center, up the wazoo. He he knows he has nothing to hide. And look where it's got him. Well, it's got him that he's still standing. That's where it's got him. And the Washington Post this week, I don't know if you saw it, had a little, you know, uh, kind of shame-faced uh, acknowledgement that there was nothing in the Mar-a-Lago a uh, raid that they found that was in any way a criminal. It was just, you know, Trump's ego. He want he insisted on keeping things that belong to him. And so they're already kind of letting it be known that they didn't find all the things that they accused him of in the press, like, you know, selling nuclear secrets and all of that nonsense. So, you know, uh, yeah, th- I can understand his attitude, but I also, you know, want to remind him if he can get that message to him that by cooperating, he's still there. And that's really what needs to happen.
3: Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So what do you expect to have happen now? That we, Now we know. As, you, as we We talked about this briefly yesterday. Now we know what the makeup is. The makeup is that we have a divided a divided Congress, and your best guess, Your Majesty, Your Highness, whether we're going to see the same old, same old, which means I this still irks me. I, I'm sorry it irks me. I know I should just let it go. It still irks me that immediately after re, the, the last election cycle, we had 13 Republicans that lined up behind Joe Biden and his infrastructure bill which didn't provide any infrastructure. And, of course, no one has gone back to see whether these 13 Republicans, any money ended up in their districts or not. I doubt it. But we always have, it seems to me, anywhere from in the House 10, 12, 13 Republicans that decide to grab the ankles and go along with Democrats. In the Senate, we know what happens. They always find a way to give Democrats what they want. Do you expect anybody to stand up, let's say, with this debt ceiling that's coming up and say, nope, we're not signing on to it, unless you guys in this administration actually cut spending significantly?
17: No. I don't expect anything different, and we, especially when it comes to the debt ceiling, because they frame it as it's the only responsible thing. We
15: can't put the full faith and credit of the United
17: States you know, at risk, blah, blah, blah. So the debt ceiling, even though it's just an uh, an exercise because every time they raise the debt ceiling, why have a debt ceiling? Because there is no ceiling. But I want to expand on something you mentioned because I think we had a picture of what to expect on Wednesday in the lame duck section. And I'm going to start calling it the shame duck session because Mm. look what happened. Wednesday, Mitch McConnell won the vote for the Senate Republican leader after spending $200 million on his fellow Republicans, Senate Republicans. And then he said this. My message to Biden is let's find some things between the 40 yard lines that we can agree on, as we did some of last year, infrastructure, school safety, mental health. Oh. Blah, blah, blah.
3: Okay. Here we go with that
17: crap. The again. next thing that happened on Wednesday, and you did mention this, and this is so important to magnify right now. The same day, 12 Republicans voted to advance the Respect for Marriage Act. They needed 10 to help break the, um, fil- the filibuster. They needed 10 Republicans. They got 12 and do you know the details of this thing, do, you haven't heard this, and I'm going to tell you something that should get everybody to the phone to contact their representatives, their senators. It repeals the 1996 Defense of Marriage Act that Clinton signed that basically had the federal, federal government putting its emphasis on traditional marriage since 1996 the liberals have hated that, and they have tried to get rid of that. Well, that's what this Respect for Marriage Act does. And let me read you something that I think is correct that Instapundit put out there. I tweeted it, and I think you retweeted it, that what this is going to mean for us believers and of, of all faiths. The Democrats are prepared, preparing the IRS to crush evangelicals in particular. Buried in the laughably titled Respect for Marriage Act, now before the Senate, are provisions authorizing the IRS to jerk tax exemption from any church or nonprofit social service agency that refuses to support the LGBTQT agenda regarding marriage. What will come in the months following enactment will be a swarm of gay couples demanding that evangelical pastors or other perform wedding ceremonies that many of them will refuse as a matter of faith to do. There will be similarly gay couples demanding religious-based adoption agencies that only match orphans with intact heterosexual couples abandon their beliefs. In other words, the full force of the federal government is being prepared for the assault on tax-exempt churches, church-related social service agencies that liberals have dreamed of For decades, and now they have had the full support of the Republican Party because the leadership of the Republican Party did nothing to stop. This is something that they are, with a wink of and a smile, Mitch McConnell and McCarthy agree with. When this went through the, the the House, they got 47 Republican votes. This was in July. The Senate has known this was coming. And they have done nothing to prepare other than to allow enough votes to make this happen, to go forward. And Susan Collins requested that this not happen before the midterms. She knew, as did all of these leaders know, that if this was on the ballot, this would have brought out a lot of conservatives if people understood what was at stake. And they quietly put it under the radar and now they have the vote, and the, the Wednesday after that, he gets that Mitch McConnell gets his leadership post. That's the first order of business. And to me, this is shame duck session. We ought to get to the phones. This the underlying bill has not passed, but they're right. expecting to do this quietly with the hubbub that's going on on the election. We have to have our eyes on the ball because they do a lot of dirty stuff right when the dust hasn't settled yet. And this is this to me is singularly important. Otherwise, you know, our faith institutions are going to be under assault, under attack. They are trying it-
3: to crush the church and crush all religious institutions. You yes, either they are. bend the knee, you bend the knee to LGBTQ, or else we are going to cripple your ability to stay as a religious institution. We will crush you. We will take your money away. We will take your tax exempt. That is the way we will persecute the church if the church doesn't bow down to the LGBTQ ideology. That is what they're saying.
17: Thanks to your friend, the Heritage new president, Kevin Roberts, he put out a statement. They are on this at Heritage, and he's the one who first put together the connection between the 87,000 new IRS agents and this legislation. He basically saw the you know, stitches on the fastball. That's the entire point. That's the entire goal. And so we have to basically pressure, because as your question was, is there going to be any change in the Senate with the new makeup? Unless there's pressure put on the outside and overwhelming pressure put on the, from the outside by us, these people are going to pass this.
3: Wow. This is, this could be devastating. Yes. Absolutely devastating. I just I can't I'm I'm stunned. I had no idea that this was not in the reporting that I read on what was in this bill. Thank this, you. Is, this is this this is stunning, Diana. They are actually taking away the first amendment for religious people.
17: Exactly right. Now this is going to be litigated obviously, but in the meantime, as we've seen, in the years between the enactment of a bad law and litigation, when it can be overturned, a lot of people are hurt and damage is done. And you know, there's a quote from Stephen Minnis, uh, who's president of a Catholic college. He said, "Catholic institutions will have a tough time living our faith under this legislation. In fact, giving religious institutions a tough time seems to be the point of the legislation." But the U.S. Constitution Guarantees free exercise of religion, not just expression of religion. And so he is part of um, a legal move. He's filed an amicus brief. So they're, they're marching, you know, lawsuits going to happen. But in the meantime, damage will be done. And that's what we have to stave off. The final vote has not happened. And we need to be activists to shut this down so that we have America with free. Exercise of
3: religion, Diana. It is stunning, 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 stunning. Well, you know what? When we do get when we do get uh, the president of Heritage, I've I'm, I'm, I'm just put in a request while you were talking to get him on this show. I'd like you to join me for that interview if we can pull it off. Absolutely. Okay, Your Highness, this is an honor of you for allowing uh, me to understand the relationship between the Jeffreys. And the ice people and the sun people. <laughs> Since I'm a sun people, I would like to uh, offer this song to you, my highness. Oh, dear. It's called um, This is Ramsey Lewis and Sun Goddess. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ram, this is uh, Maurice White, Earth, Wind, and Fire, playing with Ramsey Lewis, Sun Goddess. Your Majesty, thank you. <laughs> thank
10: you for James.
3: Always awesome to have you. We'll speak with you later. Thanks for the heads up on this. Folks, this is serious stuff. We're going to try to get the president of heritage on next week, early next week, so that we can try to get behind this and start trying to mobilize folks. This is incredible. James Guglielm, A.K. Snerdley coming back. Your telephone calls coming up on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Don't go away.
2: Oh, knows politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC.
3: WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. Remember tonight, Cousin Brucie, Music Radio, WABC. Let's head back to the telephone, shall we? Jeff, in Forest Hills, you're on with James Golden. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you, Jeff? Good morning, sir. Uh, Yes, my point
1: is uh, we have to stay strong with Mr. Trump if you support him. You need to just chill. You got to see what he did for us. You got to remember that this is what the Democratic Party wants us to do. They want us to turn on this guy because nonstop, nonstop since day one, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but we all know nonstop. They disrespected his beautiful, gorgeous wife. They got his little kid involved. Little Barron doesn't bother nobody. They are evil. So they want us to say, oh, Trump's too, you know, he's causing too much ruckus. No, he's not. They're not even office, and they still want to undermine this man's life. They want to catch him on little stuff. Listen, I don't get up in the middle of the night and read his tweets. Does he tweet a lot? I guess people tell me. It. But the more people bring it up, I, you guys have a job to do, all right, and you keep it real. Mr. Snerdly, that's why I love you, and that's why you got a great audience. However, there's some people that work for 77 ABC or affiliated that are, you know, the godfather, they said it straight up, you don't. You don't take sides against the family you don't talk business at the table and you never let the enemy know what you're thinking so i don't know man it's you know it's a crazy world we live in i'm 100 percent supportive of donald trump i don't pay attention to the everybody jumping in and, and, and want to destroy him and oh he's causing too much spotlight no they want us to think that you see that's their plan so we're going to diss trump to satisfy it so we get along with the Democratic Party, to me even out the playing field, is
3: 100%. Absurd. It's well, absurd. And, it Jeff, thank ridiculous.
1: you. Wait, one thank more you. thing, sir. Go ahead. How about go a little, ahead, Jeff. How about, a little, how about a little snapshot
3: from Slade, baby? Come on. Ooh, I like it. We'll search for it. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jeff. Appreciate it. Let us go to Rick in Elmwood Park. How are you, Rick? Hey, James, how's it going?
7: You, Good, might, want to you. Cue up, you might want to queue up to Greta Thunberg. She might get upset by some of the jokes I
1: have to make. Uh-oh. Let's see, how dare you? How dare you? Okay. Uh, the first one I want to mention, Nancy Pelosi.
7: She has a new career ahead of her. She's opened up a dog grooming salon just for
1: female dogs, and she's going to name it after herself.
3: Coda now, bitch. come on. Come on. How dare you? Let's not equate anybody, let's not talk about her looks, such as, they, let's not do that, that's not nice, especially calling the woman, a or equating her with uh, a canine, that's not nice, how dare you, ah, Jimmy in Staten Island, welcome you on WABC Talk Radio 77
19: a couple of things. Please bear with me, sir. I've been waiting, and I adore you. I really do. I, well, I love you. you. I think you're great. I've, no, I mean it. I love your show. People blow smoke, but I'm a devout Christian, and I'm telling you from the heart. When you played your guy, I forget his name. and escapes me right now, because my mind is going berserk, but um, that music, that song, uh, uh, number 58?
3: Yes, that was Diego.
19: Yes. Was... I'm home, if you don't mind. I'll call you James. But no, um right. Okay, James. I, I'm home. Um, I just got out of Columbia Presbyterian. In five weeks, I was in the hospital. I broke my neck, and I'm, oh, I'm in a, yeah, I'm in a massive cast or whatever around my neck. I'm walking around like uh, Herman Munster, but my faith comes through, and God was getting me through this. This is the first time sitting at my table with a cup of coffee, and I heard that song. I was like. I I thought of Coltrane, I thought of this, I thought of... my mind just kept swirling. because my brother Frankie, rest in peace, introduced me to blues like that. But this song that came out, this one in particular song, had me beeping, bopping my feet, saying, hey, what a voice, what a guy, where is this guy? So I did speak to them. They took my email, and he's going to let me know when, even if I have to take accessoride, when he's performing again, again with that open mic. That was absolutely one of the highlights, but... May I digress, and I'll I'll just get off the radio. I have to tell you this. Your Princess Diana, she earns every word. Princess Di, everything you call her is everything she is. When I heard both, the only thing that puzzles me, why are these 84,000 IRS mamalukes? Why are they being armed and training for guns at Bureka? What, what is that all about? What are they going to do, hold Cardinal O'Connor, who's a hypocrite, and all he cares about is money, 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 money? What are they? What is he going to do when they come to him and point the gun in his face and say, do this, cut that out? or else. What? What are they going to start shooting us in the street like we're savage animals? I don't get what's going on. But like I said, once again, if I may reiterate, and I love my God with all my heart. There is only one God. Race, color, creed, there's only one God. But I cannot understand how this Joe Biden, with that, that Hunter Biden addict, she brought, uh, the other lady brought out the, the computer, the uh, laptop from hell. Everything is right there in everybody's faces. He smiles like a moron and all of a sudden the other wimp is uh, the, the guy uh, eric garland he now wants to start america. getting a guy from the hague to uh investigate our president what is going on is the world flipped do you see a future for our america anymore Mr. yes Bowen? i do
3: let me just tell you this america i'm going to say it again america is a very young nation folks and we have to realize this fight This political fight that we have been in with liberals these past decades is the same political fight that we were in with Democrats when they were still the party of slavery, which they still are. But this is the same political fight that has gone on since uh, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, through World War II, through the pacifist and, and the activist in the Vietnam War. This is the same fight against the same ideologies. Okay, they have identified themselves since the 1920s as the progressives. But they were always part of the American history. These are the same fights that we are having. They take on more significance because there's a lot more involved now. Now they are actively, you heard Diana, you heard Princess Die, They are actively trying to crush your religious liberty. This is, not, this is not hyperbole. This is in this measure. They want to actually attack the church now a full frontal attack on churches and religious institutions who do not bow down to the LGBTQ ideology. This is real stuff. But do we have a hope? Of course we have a hope for America. We are a young country. This is a continuous battle. We have to do our parts. The greatest generation did their parts. We now have to become The greater generation. We cannot let these attacks stand and we just shrink off in the background. We have to be active in reclaiming the American dream for future generations. And I'm, of course, I'm optimistic about it because America is the, what Reagan said, the city on the shine, the shining city on the hill. That is us. We are still. Are we a perfect nation? Of course not. But we are still the land of opportunity. We are still a land look, you can even have this 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 Democrat scammer come up and become a multi billionaire. There are still so many opportunities in this country. So no, we cannot give up on this country, period. And there is still always going to be hope for America. We got to take a break. Coming back with more of your calls right after this. Don't go away.
2: Welcome to the Golden Age of Radio. James Golden, aka Bose Nerdly, is on 77 WABC.
3: Sound like Elton. It sounds like Elton. Sir Elton. I'm bringing this back on WABC. Okay, so an impromptu first installment of the Uncle Lenny story minute. (laughs) (laughs) My Uncle Lenny. Hakeem Jeffries' uncle, Leonard Jeffries. Our Scott has been already busy uncovering some of the... Well, I wanted to read about the sun people and the ice people,
5: and what I found reads more like a Kanye West uh, stand-up routine. Uh, this is from the... I don't know what this is, but it's called Store, and it's, it's an article from 1992 by Dr. Be- uh, Richard and Benjamin. It starts... On July 20th, 1991, Dr. Leonard Jeffries delivered his infamous speech addressing the Empire State Black Arts and Cultural Festival in Albany, New York. He described his theories concerning the melanin factor and the inherent coldness of whites. Voicing his now notorious racial theories, Jeffries berated, quote, the Jews who finance the slave trade, the Jews who control Hollywood, and the Kabbalah of Jews who preside over the city college, Jeffrey saved a special place in his heart for mathematics professor Bernard Schomer, whom he called the city college's
3: head Jew. Mm. We will have more. That is our first installment of Uncle Lenny, me and Uncle Lenny. Uh, uh, Hakeem Jeffrey's uncle, Leonard Jeffries, me and Uncle Lenny, look for more coming here on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Mm-hmm. Me and Uncle Lenny. Let's head back to the telephones, shall we? Let's go to Chris in the Catskills. Thank you for waiting, Chris. Hey, good morning,
7: James. When all the dust settles from the recent election, the biggest winners are Kirsten Cinema, the Arizona senator, and Joe Manchin, the West Virginia senator, and any renegade Republicans can collectively stand up to groupthink in both political parties when it comes to a check and balance upon bloated spending, whether it's for overpriced computer contracts to set up the Affordable Care Act or defense contracts or to keep an a of professionalism, logic, insanity, whether our next president exhibits behaviors of megalomania, narcissistic personality disorder, diminished capacity, or just being a meathead. You have a
14: great weekend.
3: Whoa. Thank, wow. I'm still trying to digest all of that. Thank you, Chris, for the call. I don't know whether I, I'm still trying to, the narcissistic part was like flag, 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 flag. But I didn't even have time to really think it through before he was gone. We gotta call him back and ask him to one of these not this week, but let's I hope you call again so you can elaborate on some of these things. Because I love your take on the senators that did well, including cinema and mansion, and why you considered them. I want to get to the underlying why of your call. So call us back next weekend and let's continue this. That was interesting. Don't know whether I agree with it all, but it was interesting. Dom in Minnesota. My man Dom, how are you this morning, Dom?
16: Fantastic, James. You know, we know that the FBI is famous but incompetent, run by full-blown idiots, just like Hollywood is. But I was really dumbfounded by Director Stingray's statement that he had to hurry up on vacation on the Adirondacks and serving the country can wait. So yep. just just like Rush, you are fast becoming the show prep for the rest of the media, sir. You know, Thank you. <laughs> Chucky <laughs> Schumer's blatant demand that the Republicans get in line about giving amnesty to however many dreamers there are tells me that he can get away with saying that because for an advanced nation, we are really dumb, politically speaking. Less advanced countries are realizing that if the existing population is not given time to assimilate, before bringing in new people, we may not have a country with a cultural balance needed to advance it. I am sad that people think that the world of this country, when they are outside and desperately want to get in, but once they're in the country of their dream, they're getting a Chuck e. Schumer as their leader and genderless party training as their lifestyle. These are designed to keep them suppressed, helpless, for the benefit of John Gotti's of politics. You know, I have personally spoken to People from Cuba, because I, I, in my profession, Africa, Asia, who said that they came here to get away from the very thing that Democrats are trying to impose on them. So last point I want to make is, for me personally, people like you and Rush and Trump are a national treasure, sir, that needed more than ever to preserve the republic for the for our kids and grandkids. So I hope and pray that, you know, the next generation will bring a lot of little James Goldens ready to fight the good fight. And, thank you. you
3: know, yeah. <laughs> Dom, you're amazing. Thank you. And I hope we get plenty of callers like you to continue it, too. Thank you, Dom. Thank you. Anne in Staten Island, thank you for waiting. You're up next. Anne, thank you for being so patient.
18: I'll Always see you, Bo. I'll always wait. Um, usually, you know, like I spoke to you the other day, I, I'm so God bless you for bringing up the vaccines all the time. Um, but somebody had called into your show I think it was last week, and they wanted to know what can the average person do to help, you know. And as we all know, that New York is in a terrible mess. We're being destroyed every single day. And I was involved in legislation for like 40 years, heavily involved until my health. Now I'm retiring. I can't do as much as I used to. But there are some basic things that people need to know. First of all, voting isn't the only way to be involved okay it's getting involved with your legislators and that's relatively really easy to do because whether they're in dc or whether there are local legislators up in albany visit their district offices don't go to them i know this is going to sound weird but we all have a friend that when they call up we know they're going to ask us to do something don't go to them just to ask them to do something Go to them, make friends with the staff. If you don't make friends with the staff, you'll never get to see the guy in charge. You know, that's so important. Bring the staff cookies, introduce yourself. You're a constituent, you know, make friends with them. Find out what that particular politician is interested in. Is he interested in golf? Does he have a dog? Dog issues are kind of my thing. They have a dog, bring the dog a toy. Do something to make friends. They know who you are. Volunteer to help in any way you can. I can't do a lot of things now. I can't go to meetings with them. I, I can't do things in person. But I make phone calls, you know, that I can do from home. There's a lot of don't sign those stupid petitions on the Internet. They don't mean anything. And there's a specific way to do petitions, okay, that you get Handwritten signatures. Okay. I mean, I used to bombard Albany. I had somebody walking around me once that was going, Dog owners hate me. No, I didn't. We didn't hate them. I had a network of people. We bombarded them with petitions. When we didn't like something, tie up the phone lines, tie up the fax machines, just bombard that terrible thing that they want to do to change the. Uh, religious churches and all from being able to accept things that are against their religion, call your local person or call your congressman, your Senator, whatever, bombard them, just bombard them and bombard the people that are proposing it. Like I said, tie them up, tie up their phones, their email addresses, their fax machines. There's a lot of little ways. I wish that I could have the time to really Go into anything, or to help people that are. And I'm
3: telling you, you're you are talking about organizing and then acting, becoming an activist, taking making sure that you are not just voiceless. Actually, taking a role and using the power that you have to effect change. And you are a treasure. I love you so much. I'm always delighted to hear from you and you are an example of what it takes to actually make change happen you're one person that made a difference and you're showing others how to make a difference and we so appreciate go ahead
18: I, I appreciate you so much and uh you know years ago in the 80s actually bo and everybody said you can't fight city hall Mayor Koch had proposed a law that would have been so horrible. I, I know this sounds like minor compared to big issues, but at that time, it would have really affected responsible dog owners of certain breeds. Well, you know something? We took, we took the New York City Board of Health to Supreme Court, and you know what? We won, and the law that Mayor Koch wanted was overturned by Judge Leland Degrassi. I'll never forget his name, never I mean, he just overturned Koch's law. So you can fight City Hall. You can fight, but you have to do more than being a keyboard warrior and just voting. And and I I mean, I worked. I did therapy dogs. I used to visit VA hospitals with my dogs. I started therapy dogs in nursing homes locally. I visited schools and talked to kids about responsible ownership and what things mean. So if I could do it,
3: and I'm not the brightest person in the world. Oh, but you're... <laughs> none of okay. us are the brightest person in the world because there's always somebody coming up that's brighter, but you know what you are? You are a passionate person, and you're passionate about the issues that are important to you, and then you don't just stop with the passion in your heart. You actually put it into motion, into action, and that's the lesson that you're giving all of us, Anne. Put it into action. Put your words into action. Which Make deeds from the word. Do the deeds. and you're awesome. we got to run here. We're running out of time. I so appreciate you, Ann. We always love hearing from you. Margaret, we have time, maybe 30, 40 seconds, but I didn't want you to just sit there without. You've been holding so long. Thank you, Margaret. What's on your mind?
17: Um, well, thank you, first of all, for playing Diego's song. It was very nice. Um, I just want to say from the time I was a little girl, and I heard during the Cold War, And I heard that in Russia, that people in Russia did
11: not get the the right news, that they got fake news. Well, they didn't use fake news in those days, but they weren't being told the truth. It hurt me then, and I couldn't
17: believe it, that that would actually happen to people. And now since 2016, since Trump was elected, that's what I've been getting. We've been getting uh, Kravda
3: USA, the mainstream media in this company, is everything that Pravda used to be for the Soviet Union? You're absolutely right. I've made that, I've made that, uh, uh, I've talked about that and may come to the same conclusion. We are now experiencing what the Russian people used to experience with the TASS news service and with Pravda, except we're getting it from the mainstream press here. Government, government controlled in a way. State news. If you don't follow the governor narrative, it doesn't make the news. We're leaving today with Diego. Warm summer. Warm Thank summer you
10: all. Right May God bless and protect Warm each and every summer. one of you and your family.
3: We'll be back on Monday for Boston early rush hour. God bless you. See you Monday. Warm summer. You're
10: quite a science. Warm summer, hope you agree